Hey y'all, we back at it again. This is the third episode of Convos with Flo. I am your host, Flo, and I am so excited to have a space where I can have real convos with real people about real shit. My guest today is Stephen Hayes, clinical social worker and independent practitioner in Texas. Today we're discussing pride and men's health issues. As always, share, follow, and subscribe on all platforms. All right, y'all, it's another episode of Convos with Flo. I am your host, Flo, and I have my special guest here, Mr. Stephen Hayes. Bueno. M-A, M-S-W, L-C-S-W, C-P-A. C-C-M. M-D. C-P-A. It's a whole whole inside joke, y'all, but this is my good colleague and friend, um, he has been pivotal in my personal and professional growth. So I am just really excited to have you on my show now. How are you, friend? You have a show. <laughs> Aww. Aww. I hate you. <laughs> so we act up every day. Like this is literally an everyday occurrence. So we're going to try to condense this into a um, a meaningful episode but we're going to shoot the shit because that's what we do best. So, how are you? Blessed and highly favored, <laughs> sister. Blessed and highly favored. Thank <laughs> you so much. Any hoozle. So, um, so, this episode is my convo with Steven. And we talk about a lot of things. We talk about life. We are literally going through life together right now. And not just growing as people, but as professionals. And this month is a lot of things pertaining to men... You know, and and this is an important conversation. So, Stephen, I want you to introduce yourself, what you do, and all that good jazz. So, I am an independent practitioner. I do psychotherapy. I specialize in men's issues. But since I've started, I've found that I enjoy doing couples as well. To include non-monogamous couples, which is always fun. Mm -hmm. And I even do women, which I didn't think I was going to do. When I originally started... I went to school with the concept of fixing the black man. And by that, that means understanding why black men in any country throughout the world have the lowest health outcomes, lowest life expectancy, lowest life expectations in general. Mm -hmm. Understanding that if I'm a black man and I'm not jacked up that way, Perhaps it is not the black man himself, but other forces that are at work. And so you have a sociology background, so that informs a lot of what, mm-hmm. how you see things. So I started out with psychology because I thought I was going to work with individuals, and psychology to me meant individuals, so that was my bachelor's. While I was doing that, I minored in sociology. Sociology made more sense. I could either talk to one person or I could talk to groups in the world. So sociology is about human behavior in the social environment. So that is all humans, not just one human. Mm -hmm. Moved to Texas, and for whatever reason, I understood that I had to have a license. Not quite sure why I understood that, but I understood that I needed to have a license as far as professional license. I originally looked at counseling. And I think they wanted like 5,000 hours of free internship versus social work, which needed 3,000. I'm like, well, 
<laughs> I'll do social work. <laughs> That's literally how I ended up doing social work mm-hmm. as opposed to counseling, which ended up being really good. Social work, for those of you who don't know, is a really vast field. You can do anything from politics to that stereotypical person who is doing child welfare to therapy toward administrative, toward law. There are multiple things you can do. So just by accident, I chanced upon the preferred and bettered, by my estimation, degree. Or divine intervention. Either way. (laughs) I have a similar story as of how I got into social work as well. But we're here and we are now clinicians. We We hold the highest licensure in this profession. And you stated that you work with, you understand and are working with many different types, but your specialty has been with men. And mm-hmm. June is Men's Health Month. And when I think of health, I think of an overarching wellness, um, not just physical health, financial, mental, spiritual health, all those things. But how do you see men's health? What do you think about men's health and why is it important? I think men's health is physical. Okay. Let me be very clear. There is a thing that is a subdivision of mental health, right? When people start talking about all this financial health and all this, I'm old. I'm not down with that. <laughs> financial is financial. That does not mean I don't speak to financial. Mm-hmm. That is not to say that I don't understand the impact of financial on mental health and on physical health. So it's not to negate all of these other new ways of framing health, but my definition is still health-wise, physical, subset, mental. Again, sociology considers the multiple social institutions that impact the individual in society. So it can be people say spiritual health. In sociology, we just call that religion. Mm -hmm. And what is the impact of religion on a man, specifically a black man? To less, well, not to lesser, but to a different degree or a different impact, other races. Mm-hmm. So, I was recently introduced to white men who came up either Mormon or Jehovah's Witness who have the same, exact same, actually, church hurt that black men can have. Interesting. Church hurt, meaning that you were part of a church and in some way or another, you've been psychologically, spiritually damaged. So I first became familiar with church hurt with the gay boys who were told you're going to hell. So, they, you know, you end up hoeing, blah, blah, blah. All of those other wonderful things that come under that. Mm-hmm. Similarly, a Jehovah's Witness that I was working with who was white was stifled as far as his social growth. Because he understood he was gay. When we talk about church hurt, it does not exclusively apply to men. I've dealt with a female who had similar church hurt because she was told, because she didn't necessarily ascribe to all things that the church ascribed to, that she was no longer allowed to play the pianos. All She cried for the first hour I dealt with her. And it, it was based on she wasn't allowed to play the piano because it wasn't allowed in the church if you didn't ascribe to all the beliefs. So that's just a little short spiel on church hurt and how a social institution of religion can impact an individual's ability to be successful, thrive, or even be comfortable in their own skin. Do you think it's important to, because I know these are spheres of wellness or spheres of health. Do you think it's important to, um, you know, provide 
clear delineation between those. Like when you say financial, when you say spiritual, those things are separate from health, from physical health. When you think of health, you think of physical health with a subset of mental. Um, are all of those other spheres, where, where do you put those? Where do they, where do you classify okay, so those? So here's the problem with society and social work. Social work is a dumbass profession at this point only because... <laughs> We do this full comprehensive biopsychosocial, and it asks about the financial, it asks about the spiritual, it asks about the family, it asks about work, it asks about all these various things. Mm -hmm. It becomes a hodgepodge. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a clear picture of the individual's presenting problem anymore. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working with you with cancer, I'm worried about all of these other things, and sometimes the actual problem of cancer gets put to the side. I currently have a client who presents bipolar. People are talking to him about everything except for bipolar. Mm. I appreciate the fact that his job has definitely impacted him. However, bipolar is bipolar no matter what else is influencing you. And there's certain things you do with bipolar as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. So I need to be very focused on the mental health. I'm not going to ignore, as you're calling them spheres, they're different social institutions. I'm not going to ignore the impact of the interaction with the social institutions that this individual has. Mm -hmm. But my focus needs to be on the one thing, the presenting problem. Okay. If there are overlaps of the other institutions, other experiences that he has, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Definitely. Okay, so we know how you are how you are interacting with your patients, how you are um, how you show up. What are some of the things that you see with men, particularly since we're talking about men's health month? What are some of the things that you're seeing are our overarching issues that men are facing? So, there's multiple things. Mm-hmm. Because we now have queer theory that is challenging what a man is. What is queer theory? Queer theory came out of sociology. It is a discipline that felt that they needed to be special and separate from sociology because they felt that sociology did not spend enough time looking at gender identity and sexuality and how it impacts an individual throughout their life course. So we now have out of them a thing called cisgender, C-I-S, gender. Now, I'm old, so I remember cis, and the first thing I hear is sissy. Right. So if you're going to say cisgender male, then is he a sissy male? It's all of these different things. If I am a heterosexual male, it would make sense that I could potentially take offense to having to rename myself according to queer theory's standards. Mm -hmm. If I was simply born a dude, why do I have to do this other stuff? Mm -hmm. Some people would argue that is for the clinician to use and know and all of that. And that's for us, you know, high paid professionals to deal with. But it is not because... W.I. Thomas theorem. If a man says something is real, it is real in its consequences. Mm. If we say that it is real, that male is no longer good enough, then we have automatically negated the fact that you as a dude are not good enough. Mm. We got to reclassify, rename you. Then you add in toxic masculinity. Mm. So if 
what does that even mean? I happen to be a little diabetic, right? Sugar is not bad on its surface, but considering I woke up to a Snickers, had a couple of donuts, and then got out of bed. Mm-hmm. I know that I got out of bed after I ate all that. <laughs> and Marco the, su- <laughs> the, the sugar becomes a bad thing. Yeah. Masculinity in and of itself is not bad. In fact, it is necessary to attract the feminine. Absolutely. So if you have that and now you are toxifying it or potentially, and we're on watch, like high alert for uh, toxicity. Mm-hmm then does that allow a man to really be a man? Mm. We are taking people's rights away in the name of social justice. So you have to think about, is politically correct really correct? Is political correctness gone awry, actually? Mm. So that's queer theory. Okay. And so you see this in your practice because men are being challenged by... Now these new social norms, social norms, Mm -hmm. and they are trying to find their place or they're trying to, what are they doing? They don't have a place. Oof. So I have one that I'm working with who's in a hetero, he is heterosexual in a heterosexual relationship. The woman is coming off kind of strong. She has done any number of things, infidelity, blah, 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 we do it, right? Somehow or another, because he is the male, there is a projection upon him as though he has done something wrong. Mm. So every statement he says, he then says, am I wrong? It's like he can say, my name is Jason. That ain't his name, confidentiality. <laughs> my name is Jason. Is that all right? I'm like, why do you keep asking me that, son? Mm. You know, and that's a full grown man. 30 years old and totally lost. Can you imagine living as a nomad in your own home? Because his ability to simply be husband and father, he's now questioning. Things where he saw his grandfather because he came up in foster care, so he already has some challenges in defining self and defining self as a male and defining self as masculine and all those wonderful things that foster care symbolizes Mm -hmm. and now we have all these changes in dynamics right so he's naturally attracted to masculine quote unquote things building a car fixing things he's holding on to that so hard because that's where his penis is now Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that hasn't been challenged so now when I ask what else is good about you like, I don't know. Mm. Easily identifies self-esteem issues. Relationship ends. That's how he defined himself. So what do you got left? I guess I'll go fix a car. Mm. Because we have decided that you can't just be naturally you, masculine and I. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. And the why I do this. Yeah. Someone needs to affirm men in a way that is germane to them, specific to them. And let me also talk about so bisexual man. Bisexual dude I'm dealing with. He couldn't say that. 
nor could he say that he could equally be attracted to male and female because, you know, you don't want to be the gay boy, right? And when we say that you're bi, particularly in black community, no, you're just really gay. Just mm-hmm. saying, right? So we're taking away your option to like a female. Right. Society, in so many ways, is defining who a man is that he can no longer define himself, which what does that make him? Nothing. Mm. You know, and I remember asking a, a colleague a few years ago about, and she's white, but I was like, is there room for bisexuality of men in your culture? And she was like, yeah. And I thought about it not before I asked her that question, because I know that there's not in black culture, not because and it's so many different layers that come to that. That's a whole nother. Oh, maybe maybe it is this conversation. I, I don't know. But it seems that like that that conversation is so rooted in in stigma and ignorance. And that is is it truly acceptable? Um, I know I know the new age girls are kind of like, hey get in where you fit in you know what i'm saying they a lot seem to be a lot more open to that idea because the men in like the younger men seem to be more feminine in nature you know they did like the younger rappers and all of that it seems to be a lot more acceptable but there's this um it's a lot of shit i know a lot of my friends i've asked them that question would you trip if your man has sex with a man and they hands down probably 80 90 99% of them are like fuck yes i would trip you know even if he's choosing to huh blame it on the skinny jeans (laughs) no i'm dead ass the skinny jeans when has it ever been acceptable for men to wear jeans that cut off their nuts (laughs) i heard they used to give you a that would give you that would stop you from having children I think that's what they used to say back in the day. I don't know what they used to say. It just simply is not appropriate. Right. But someone decided to put it on, and now everybody does. So when you talk about the way that society impacts you, Mm -hmm. whoever designed those genes probably was a queer theorist that was going to try and sissify a population based on what it means. I don't care how much you say that uh, pink is not for girls and blue is not for boys and we're all open. That's not true. And also when it comes to white people, I want you to understand that you need to also uh, consider religion Mm -hmm. and economy. Mm -hmm. Because the bisexual who is involved in religion is never going to be okay. Mm. The bisexual who has money is not going to say he's bisexual. He's just going to do what he do. And because he has money, he's going to get away with it if he is white. More likely than if he were black and Latin. Right. The poor white boy is more likely to have been exposed to other minorities, which means that those minority cultures have influenced him. Mm. Which means that he's going to go with the black and Latino version of it's not okay. Which, by the way, it depends on which Latino you're talking about. In California, I became aware of within specifically Mexican culture, and it was weird when this dude was telling me about it, it's kind of natural for there to be an uncle that lives in the house. And the uncle is sleeping with the man, the father, the husband. Everybody kind of knows it. They don't know exactly what's going on, but they kind of know it. Mm -hmm. And it's okay as long as it's not spoken. So that's an intersection of machismo where you don't question the man. Mm. With Catholicism, where you're not supposed to talk about it, mm. with a woman just going to sit there and, and the baby don't want to get a backhand from the father or the mother. Mm. That is why culture is important. That is why you can't negate these things. So when I started off saying health is health, 
That is 100% true. It is also 100% true that you did not negate the mitigating factors Mm -hmm. that caused you to see the person in front of you when you work in healthcare, mental health, whatever it is. Bless. So you've brought up some with queer theory, and we this is June, which is Pride Month. Okay, so tell me what Pride Month means to you. What is this? I mean, I showed you a a, a graphic of all of the different LGBTQIA plus. I didn't even know some of them shits existed. Okay, so. And I am supposed to be a culturally competent, diverse, equitable professional. And I didn't know some of them shits existed. So what does Pride Month mean to you? What does this mean? How are we to... It doesn't mean anything to me. And it doesn't mean anything to me for multiple reasons. Black History Month does not mean anything to me. If I cannot be black and happy the whole year, Mm. I prefer not to be during a month. So for that reason, it means nothing. Secondly, it doesn't mean anything because Pride was originally created for the white gay boys. So in Los Angeles, West Hollywood is the gay area. There were black gay clubs scattered throughout LA as well. We as black and gay were not allowed to go to white gay clubs. Tuesday is the night that we would choose because Tuesday wasn't nothing at the black club. So we would go up there and we would literally fight those white boys. <laughs> Security and all, fuck you. <laughs> and I'm not paying the cover. And I'm coming in this bitch. Like, the reason that West Hollywood is integrated is because of us old hits. Mm. Which is funny because everybody's like, you don't want to watch Pose? I'm like, no, I lift it. Mm. The third episode of Pose season one, that is exactly what it was about. And I, that's when I stopped looking at it. I tried to look at it. I was like, bitch, I don't live this. I don't need to see this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, it has its place and it's a nice enough show and everything. I just didn't need to see it. I would prefer that there is not a need. Let's think about the origin of Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Black History Month comes along because we recognized at some point that there was inequity and inequality in the way that we saw black people in America. We understood that no history of black people, minus you was a slave, you got caught, and now you're free. That's all that there was. So we needed to create some sort of a something to highlight a marginalized group. So Pride Month comes along to likewise marginalize highlight a marginalized group. I want to say the first official pride was around the time of HIV. Mm -hmm. I'm almost sure that it was. I could be wrong. But of course, so we got gays on the forefront. We hate them. They dying. They don't brought AIDS. They brought it upon themselves. You needed something to bolster that population. Mm -hmm. Right? That was 20 years after Stonewall. Mm -hmm. Right? Stonewall meaning we have a right to exist. So these different things of adulation for a group go on in various societies in various ways if we wanted to be real we would simply say little black boy you can exist little gay boy you can exist and we would end the conversation there would be no need for a pride wow the end Because I think, you know, a lot of people feel like this month brings awareness to the injustices that that people 
face um, just to be themselves. I do understand the correlation between what you're saying about Black History Month, Pride Month. But are those things, do they still have value in what they bring? For some. I'm simply saying that if it were I Mm -hmm. and I were president, I'm not going to say I would ban Black History Month or Pride Month. I'm not going to say that. But what I would do is I would publicly confront the reason that they exist. Mm. So it's not to blame the victim, right? But to look at existing power structures and ask ourselves, why? Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's an awareness for everything now. I don't know where these little holidays are popping up from. And, you know, even... Even just cultural a, appropriation, that's where it's coming from. Bless. Well, there it is. Because, I mean, it it is almost overwhelming, not just for any one particular one, but just the the influx of pay attention to this and pay attention to that. And we need you here and we need you there. And it's kind of like, you know, your, your mind is all over the place as far as like, well, what's important to me? what's important to those around me and it's about treating people right treating people fairly it doesn't matter if it's february or if it's june you know it's about well if this month wasn't occurring would you still treat me as a human with rights and value and meaning in 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 my life and in yours in this world um and the answer is no because west hollywood is known for its halloween festival halloween one year, Janet Jackson fell out of the sky, Gwen Stefani skyrocketed or something, and I mean, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And every day on November 1st, the day after Halloween, you get to pick up the LA Times and see the people from the hood, the black boys, were coming up to beat up the white faggots. Hmm. And why was that? It was a thing to do. <laughs> it, it was simply a thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I have now, I've been here for 10 years, but I assume that tradition continues you know again if we were saying everybody has a right to exist we wouldn't have to worry about it and then let's even think about it why would one marginalized population try and hit itself up against another marginalized population now that's a two-hour conversation for sure yeah because it does doesn't make any sense you know Mm -hmm. Some people, well, you don't like yourself, so you're going to take it out on somebody else. There are different ways that people likely would explain it. For me, it doesn't make any difference. It's like, it goes back to the root. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Who cares? When it comes to trans people, however, that is something that is a little bit different by my estimation because you have top and bottom surgery that you want after you take hormones which is a whole other thing top surgery is when you're either having breasts removed or augmented bottom surgery is when you are having a penis constructed or removed or vagina constructed but you don't remove that one so Mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing what used to happen is you used to go to the Philippines or Mexico to get that done Because you could literally go to somebody's garage and they would remove a rib so that you would have a more feminine waist. You would go to the Philippines and they would slough off half of your heel, half of your ankle, so that you could fit a woman's shoe. So these are the type of things. When we talk about 
the value in queer theory is if they are able to speak to that. Because then, and here's what they wouldn't be able to do, I don't think, because it wouldn't be politically correct. Why is it that you need to look different if you're okay and everybody's okay as they are? Mm-hmm. So why do I need to do this? I work with multiple transgender people. <laughs> I got a little everybody now. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it, it's traumatizing to even think of the surgery. Consider the pain you're going to go through. But there's some cognitive dissonance because I said I was woman or I said I was man. And damn it, I'm going to go all the way through. Hmm. What I have experienced when it comes to trans individuals is sometimes, not always, and it depends on the person and who they believe themselves to be and how they want to present. If you talk about different options and you talk about different motivation, then you start getting people that are able to make informed choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, baby, remove your rib. I need you to do that. If you understand the, why right. you're doing it. Right. I've always said that if everybody had one good sociology class before they graduated high school, we would have almost no crime. Mm -hmm. Because people would understand the long-term effect of committing the crime. McGruff the Crime Dog lets you know, this is back in the 80s or 90s or something like that, don't do the crime unless you can do the time. But what he didn't say is the time is the rest of your life. Because once you have the mark of felon, Mm. then you're not going to be able to do a lot of stuff with the rest of your life. Mm. So we're not even telling the whole thing to a population so they can be educated and understand. And then, I'm cool. You need to slang some dope. Slang it, baby. But understand the risk. (laughs) And if you really got the people and said, why are you selling it? Mm -hmm. Because Malcolm talked about poison in the community, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And multiple people, he always, always comes to mind. So if Malcolm talked about poison in the community, are you saying you're not part of community? What is it that you're actually saying? Mm-hmm. Right? And who's there to kind of help shape and mold those skills? Because it's all a skill. Not clearly. a sociologist. <laughs> and that should be, clearly, because there is a disconnect, I feel, from from what you're mentioning uh, with people not understanding, like a lot of people, are like, well, if you can, if you can run a game, you can run a business, or if you can do this, you can do that. And it's like, but if that's what's presented in front of me, and I don't know my options, or I don't understand how I can utilize those skills in multiple different ways, then I'm gonna do what's in front of me, whether or not I have the full truth or not. And I think that that's a lot of times people, um, struggle with well hopefully I don't get caught I'm just do it and hopefully I don't get caught and if I do get caught then I may not fully understand the impact of what this may have on my life that's peer pressure as well so if like this thing with OnlyFans I think it's funny that people have Twitter porn now mm-hmm. because why don't you have OnlyFans if you just want to be out there like that and when I've worked with individuals who have had OnlyFans and Twitter pages, the OnlyFans person is likely motivated from finance, right? Mm-hmm. But the person who's just doing the Twitter porn, you gotta ask, why is somebody doing that? And most of the time, when I ask, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, your mission, your movement is Momentum Movement. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us about Momentum Movement. What is, what is Momentum so, Movement? So Momentum 
in and of itself is some sort of emotion. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that if we had motion that is appropriately guided, and by appropriately, it does think of the individual, but it also thinks of the group. It thinks of the family. It does think of the economy. It thinks of all things. Can we get some momentum moving in some sort of positive direction? And that would be the movement that we need to have. I think it's great that you can have Black Right movements and Black Lives Matter movements and all of those type of movements are excellent. But how about the right action movement? Mm. If we start thinking about universal right action, then what would happen? Boris Ricks is a political scientist at Cal State LA. I took his class just because he was fine as fuck, to be honest with you. Hello, Boris. But he said one line that was more valuable than his looks. And it was simply, he was explaining how people voted in L.A. And he said that Jews, as a group, vote as a block and do not vote for individual interests. Mm -hmm. If we thought about communal interests... I want to drive my car, but I'm thinking of buying a house and I would prefer it not to be underwater. (laughs) So maybe I need to think about what global warming means. Mm -hmm. I'd like to feel safe walking the street at night, but how can I do that if we don't think about mental health and we have a schizophrenic off meds? Mm -hmm. We have someone who potentially just wants some food. There's this one homeless dude. He irritates the hell out of me. God bless him. (laughs) Every morning, he says the exact same thing. Like them dreads. And he does that as a warm-up to ask me for money. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just irritating at a certain point. I I mean, I just don't need that every morning. You know what I'm saying? Like The small talk is irritating. And the fact that every morning I know that he's going to ask me for money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't want him to not have money. I don't want them to not have a home, but is that burden on me? Mm-hmm. Why is that not a societal burden? Mm-hmm. During this time where the economy is booming, they can't even get enough lumber to build as much as they want to build, which indicates to me that you could have built to house people, right? I want to say they did that. It's either New York or Los Angeles. I can't remember where they were building 180 units to house the homeless. So we can do it. What are we choosing to do or not do? Yeah. Right? So it's those type of things that I include in my social work practice and in my therapy practice. Because why are people depressed? Because the world sucks. Life sucks. Right? Colorado virus comes along and people all up in their house, they no longer have to act in public. So, right now, there is a murderous spree. And I'm not just talking about, what do you call it, the group murders or whatever. Um, what is it called when they kill a bunch of people one time? The, whatever that is. Mass um, murders? There you go, that. <laughs> I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the individuals mm-hmm. that are going around murdering. I cannot remember which city they were talking about, but the murder rate is double. And this was individual. This was not mass. This was is double this time from from last year, right? Right, and from no, it's double from it's d- double from twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. There may have been a dip in twenty twenty, maybe. 
But as you look at the trajectory, by the end of this year, it will be like four times as much as it was in 2019 when it was already coming back up. Right. It had been going down. Now, you have to look at politics. Politics and and that whole structure is a different social institution. Mm -hmm. So people will point at Biden because he's lax, but not talk about the what some would call hate-mongering that Trump supported that got people riled up. So they was already riled. Now they can come out and start shooting. Mm-hmm. You have to look at all of these social institutions to understand the society. And we and as... And then be able to go back and be part of a movement right. to change society. Right. That's what I was about to say. And we have to become members, active members of actually trying to change and make the society better for all. Well, bless. I am excited for your journey and all that you have coming up. Thank you so much for being a part of my podcast. All right, guys. Thank you. See you later.